Hey, welcome back to Bible Stories for Heathen Children. I'm Robbie. Uh, if you remember last week's story about Jacob, who's later called Israel, you might remember that he had like a lot of wives and a lot of sons. And today's story is sort of a sequel to that, except it's going to focus on one of those children, Joseph. And before I get going, I'll just say that there is actually a movie about Joseph called Joseph King of Dreams that I really liked when I was a kid. It's pretty good. Um, I haven't watched it as an adult, though. So, you know, maybe I'll rewatch it after finishing these stories and see. So, um, you know, if because I, I don't exactly end on a cliffhanger, but I don't finish the Joseph story today. So if anyone's just desperate to know how it ends up, you could go watch the movie um, and let me know what you think of it. One thing you might remember about Jacob from last week is that he had a favorite wife. Uh, his second wife, Rachel, the younger sister of his first wife, Leah, who he basically married on accident. Rachel was, Le Leah, he didn't really care about, which is sad. Um, Rachel was his favorite wife. And then, so God made Leah have a bunch of children, and, and then Leah's slave girl and Rachel's slave girls had a bunch of children. And finally, Rachel had one son, and she named him Joseph. At the time, he was the youngest of all his brothers. And later, Rachel had another son, and then she died, um, as I think I mentioned in last week's episode. But uh, even though it's, like, mentioned in the text before the events of this story, the actual, if you look at the ages of people and other clues in the story, it probably happened. The the Her second baby was probably born later. So I'll get to that next week when it becomes relevant to the story. I decided I would tell the story in two weeks to really do justice to all the drama. I don't feel like I did justice to all the drama in, in last week's episode because I told so much in like one episode. It probably should have been two, two episodes. Uh, so anyway, for now we're going to say Jacob and we'll call him Israel sometimes from now on because the Bible mixes them up and I'm not really sure which, which one you should use. I mean, usually when somebody changes their name, you... Um, you go with their new name because like I, Ro Robbie is actually not the name I was born with. This doesn't seem like quite the same type of circumstance and the Bible just mixes them up. So sometimes I'll say Jacob, sometimes Israel. Um, and I'm, I'm not really sure how the Bible determined which one to use. So I'm not sure how to determine which name to use. So um, Anyway, uh, hopefully that, that Israel and Jacob are like the same person, but the Bible uses both names even after the name gets changed by God himself. So uh, I guess that's what I'll do since that's what the story does. Um, so anyway, he has 11 sons, and of all of Israel's 11 sons, he shows the youngest, Joseph, the most attention and affection, and um, all of the brothers could tell, and they were all jealous. I hope you don't know what's like to, what it's like to have a brother or sister that you're, or a sibling that your parents love more than all the rest of your siblings. It's not pleasant. Um, I mean, at least for Jacob and his brother Esau, I mean, like, remember Jacob's mom, her favorite was Jacob, but Jacob's dad, his favorite was Jacob's brother Esau. So, like, I mean, at least they each had one parent who loved them the most. I don't know if that makes it better. I mean, it still caused problems. But um, when you have a bunch of siblings and one child who the parents always think is the best at everything and who gets special attention the rest of the people don't get, well, that causes a lot of jealousy and hurt feelings for the ones who aren't the favorite and probably gives the one who gets all the attention a really big head. 
uh, makes him think he's more valuable than his siblings because his parents treat him like he's more valuable. And that's basically what the other brothers felt like happened to Joseph. It wasn't just that either. Joseph would watch his brothers and tell on them to his father when they did something he thought was wrong. Like, they're like grown adults and he's like 17. And and he's a tattletale. And they hated him for being a tattletale. And then, if that wasn't enough to make them angry, his dad made like really special clothes. He made this special rainbow colored robe for Joseph to wear that was nicer than anything the other brothers had to wear. And it was, it was really special. Um, and they, oh, it made them so mad because he had this special thing that his dad made just for him. And they didn't have anything like that. And it was really obvious his dad loved him the most, and they were just so angry at him. They couldn't even, if they had to talk to him, they couldn't even say anything nice at all. They couldn't even sound, you know, like they were just, oh, they were so mad. They'd be like, Joseph, can you pass me the bread? You know, because they couldn't even just sound nice. Anything they said, they sounded mean. Because they were, they just hated him so much. And then, if that's not enough. He had a dream and he described it to his brothers and they hated him even more. Unlike my dreams, which are usually about looking for my shoes or trying to buy a fish tank for a pet goldfish. I, I, I have a fish. I have, I have that dream a lot. Um, unlike my dreams, which are kind of random and maybe are my brain trying to give me a clue about something. Um, in the Bible, the dreams are usually really meaningful and prophetic about the future, something someone couldn't possibly know, but God is telling them something in their dream. Um, but not like clear, not like clearly um, in the old, well, like in the New Testament, when um, different, is that different Joseph? Yeah, had a dream. It was, um, you know, it was pretty clear. But this Joseph's dreams were like, not clear they were really symbolic so most most of the old testament dreams are really symbolic um i guess the new testament joseph had dreams about the future where the angel is just like hey i'm going to tell you exactly what's going on and here's exactly what you're going to do so um maybe that's nice but in joseph's dream it was all like symbolism like um this thing indicates this other thing and what his dream was was that they were gathering grain into bundles, like wheat. They were gathering it into bundles. And suddenly, Joseph told them, suddenly my bundle of wheat stood up and all y'all's bundles of wheat gathered around it and bowed down to mine. And he didn't even have to say what he thought it meant because the implication was pretty, pretty clear. It didn't literally mean wheat would bow down to his wheat and stuff. It meant that the brothers would all bow down to Joseph. Though actually the presence of the wheat maybe is a little bit foreshadowing. Um, if you, if you think about it when you get to the end of the, of this episode. Um, but anyway, clearly Joseph is having a dream that they all think Joseph thinks means they're all going to bow down to Joseph and they already hate Joseph. And now Joseph is dreaming he's going to rule over all of his brothers. And it definitely feels like he's bragging about it. So as you might imagine, this doesn't make them hate him any less. No. Then he had another dream, and he told his brothers and dad and family, his whole family, about this one, because he clearly doesn't know how to read the room, as we say. He says, I had a dream, and the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. He told his father, and his father was like, 
even his dad, who loved him more than anyone else, was like really irritated and said, do you think I and your mother and brothers are going to bow down to you? Like, wow, get over yourself. And then the brothers were all even more jealous. But their father, who, you know, loved Joseph, he recovered from his irritation more quickly and he kept the subject, you know, kind of in the back of his head. One day, all the older brothers were sent to take care of the flocks out in a pasture kind of far away. And Joseph, being the favorite child and the youngest, was allowed to stay home. I say child, he was he was a grown-up at this point, um, or at least 17, it's not clear on his age, but he's not a little kid. But he gets to stay home, and they have to go work in the pasture. But then Israel, the father, sent Joseph to see how the brothers were doing and how the flocks of sheep were doing so Joseph could report back. Also, so that Joseph could tattle if they misbehaved. And they saw him coming. They could recognize him from a distance because of his really special bright rainbow-colored coat. And they said, oh, here comes the dreamer. We should kill him, and then we'll say a vicious animal ate him, and then we'll see what happens to his dreams about ruling over us. (laughs) But the oldest brother, Reuben, heard them, and he didn't want to kill Joseph, even though Joseph was kind of a pest, to be honest. And he's like, "Uh, let's not kill him. We'll just throw him in this pit. There's like a conveniently located deep pit in the ground nearby. Perhaps it was dug to be a well, but there wasn't any water there. So it's just a pit. Perhaps that's clever foreshadowing for what happens later in this story. Foreshadowing is when a story hints at something that will happen later, like dreams in the Bible, usually a symbolic hint, and you might not figure out what it means until it happens and you look back and go, aha, and that might happen with what I said about no water in the well, and that might happen with Joseph's dreams. Mini literature lesson over. The oldest brother said, we'll just throw Joseph in this conveniently located pit because Reuben, he was intending to secretly rescue Joseph from the pit later when no one was watching and return Joseph to their father. So when Joseph got to where his brothers were, they took off his fancy robe and threw him in the pit and then they all sat down to eat dinner. Uh, Then the brothers saw a caravan, this group of people and animals all traveling together. There were a lot of camels and they were carrying expensive items from one location to take to another location and sell them. They were going to Egypt to sell some goods. Reuben, who was going to save Joseph, is like conveniently not here. So uh, very convenient for the plot here because one of the brothers, Judah, has a new plan. If the name Judah sounds familiar to you, it might be because he was the father of a whole huge tribe of Israelites. Israel, you know, like Jacob was called Israel. Um, And King David and later Jesus were said to have come from that branch of the family, the tribe of Judah. Anyway, Judah's plan was, we will sell our brother Joseph to this caravan to be a slave. Then it's like, win, win, win. We don't have to deal with him anymore. We won't be guilty of murdering him. We'll get a little money. So they're like, yeah, that's a great plan. I mean, win for all the brothers, no win for Joseph there. So they sold him to the caravan, and they and the caravan took him away towards Egypt as a slave. And then Reuben got back, and he found that Joseph was not in the pit for him to rescue. And he was upset and sad and scared and he didn't know what he was going to tell his dad he's like uh joseph's not in the pit and they're like oh yeah we sold him to we sold him as a slave he's going to egypt and he's like what do i do um 
And the brothers are like, oh, no, we, we've got this. We've got this. So they killed a goat and they put the blood of Joseph's special rainbow. They put the blood of the goat all over the special rainbow colored coat, which they had taken from Joseph before they threw him in the pit. Um, and then they went to their father, Israel, and showed him the coat covered in, you know, blood. And they're like, we found this. It kind of looks like your son's coat. You better look at it and see if you recognize it. And Israel saw that it was the specially made coat. And um, he believed a wild animal must have attacked Joseph and eaten him. Uh, and he put on, like, sackcloth. He put on these clothes for mourning. In the Bible, they say sackcloth. It's like, I don't know, scratchy mourning clothes. And um, Israel wept for days. And all his other children tried to comfort him. But they couldn't make him feel better. He was so sad. He thought he would die from grief. But he actually did not die from grief. My spouse was talking to me about this story and he pointed out in you know in the previous story Jacob tricked his father Isaac by putting by killing a goat and serving the goat meat as the special stew and and putting the goat fur on his arms and in this story Jacob now called Israel was deceived about his son using using the blood of a goat so that's kind of an interesting um parallel event in the story um irony i guess i guess you would say anyway meanwhile um jacob israel believes that joseph is dead but joseph has actually been taken to egypt where he was bought by an important officer of pharaoh the captain of the guard he was the captain of the guard and he was named potiphar and um, Joseph was kind of put in charge of a little bit of stuff and everything he was in charge of did really well and he was successful. And um, if he was in charge of a little bit of business, that part of business would do really well. So then they put him in charge of more stuff. They put him in charge of more gardens, more livestock, more commerce. I don't know. And the more they put him in charge of, the more success he had. Everything that they put him in charge of, he was successful at. And eventually, they put him in charge of everything this rich and powerful Egyptian man, Potiphar, owned. And he became richer because of Joseph. And everything that belonged to Potiphar, Potiphar's fields, the livestock, everything was under Joseph's control. And it was all successful because the Lord made Joseph succeed at everything he tried. If you listen to the David episode, basically the same thing. The Lord's with him, making him super successful. And uh, Potiphar didn't have to worry about anything at all. The only thing that he really had to think about each day was which delicious food he was going to eat for dinner because Joseph took care of everything else. And everything was going great, which means it's time for something bad to happen in the story. So one day, Joseph was falsely accused of a crime by Potiphar's wife. And because she was the rich, powerful Egyptian and Joseph was the poor Hebrew slave, they believed her. And they threw Joseph into prison where all the Pharaoh's prisoners were kept. Um, but even in prison, the Lord made Joseph successful. And all the wardens of the prison really liked him. And they put him in charge of all the prisoners. I guess like in charge of any work they did. And he kept being successful. So then the wardens didn't have to worry about anything. So I guess now Potiphar has to worry because they listened to the rich, powerful Egyptian instead of the foreign slave. So, you know, maybe he gets a little comeuppance there. He has to worry about stuff again. Anyway, well, um, Joseph is impressing everyone he meets, being successful at everything, even though he's like totally locked in prison forever and it's miserable. And um, sometime later, 
uh, Pharaoh got mad at his cupbearer. The cupbearer is the person who would serve Pharaoh his drinks. It's a really important job because he would protect the Pharaoh from being poisoned. And sometimes the cupbearer would even drink the wine himself first to make sure it's not poisoned. So the Pharaoh had to trust the cupbearer with his life. And now the Pharaoh had become angry at him and threw him into this special prison where only the Pharaoh's prisoners go. Where, I say only, but you know, the, the whole, the really important the prisoners are really important people. So Joseph is there too. And um, also Pharaoh, at the same time, Pharaoh got mad at the chief baker from Pharaoh's house and threw him into prison. Those two and Joseph were all in prison together for a while. One night, the cupbearer, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker each had a strange dream. No, not the same one as each other. And each dream had its own meaning, but because the dreams were symbolic, they weren't sure what those meanings were. And when Joseph saw them both the next morning, he saw they were very upset. Why do you look so sad today? He asked them. We had dreams, they said, but we're in prison and can't go find a wise man or magician to interpret our dreams so that we'll know what they mean. And Joseph said, oh, dream meanings belong to God. And I'm kind of in with God. So tell me your dreams. The chief cupbearer told him, I dreamed of a grapevine with three branches. Flowers grew from the branches and from them came grapes, big ripe grapes. And I saw that I was holding Pharaoh's cup. So I squeezed the grapes into the cup and I gave the cup to Pharaoh. What could this mean? I will tell you what it means, said Joseph. The three branches are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will send for you, take you out of prison, and put you back into your important position, and you'll be the chief cupbearer again. But when everything goes well for you, remember me. Tell Pharaoh about me and get me out of this prison, because I was kidnapped from my homeland, and then I was put in prison, even though I'm innocent. And when the chief baker, the other prisoner, heard the interpretation Joseph gave to the cupbearer, it was such a good dream for telling great things that he became really hopeful and excited. And he told Joseph his dream. In my dream, I was carrying three baskets full of expensive and delicious bread on my head. And in the top basket on top of my head with the very best loaves of bread. And I was carrying them to Pharaoh, but birds surrounded me and they started eating the bread out of the basket. What could my dream mean? Uh, you might think this dream is a bit more ominous. And Joseph definitely thought so. I will tell you what it means, said Joseph. The three baskets are three days. and three days, the Pharaoh will send for you and take you out of prison to have you killed. Dun, dun, dun. On the third day after this, it was Pharaoh's birthday, and he called the cupbearer and the baker out of prison. Then he put the cupbearer back in his important position and the chief baker he had killed, just as Joseph had said. But the chief cupbearer did not remember to tell Pharaoh about Joseph. He forgot. Two years later, the Pharaoh had a dream. He dreamed he was standing beside the Nile, the Nile River. You've probably heard of it in Egypt. And he's standing beside the river looking all kingly and looking out at the country and seven healthy well-fed cows came up to graze um but up behind them came seven ugly thin cows who looked almost like skeletons because they were so thin pharaoh had never seen cows this ugly in the entire land in his entire life they ate the seven healthy cows but the ugly cows even though they had just eaten the the healthy cows, they were still thin and ugly, just as ugly as ever. They looked like they had never eaten anything. 
anything, and then Pharaoh woke up disturbed. But he soon fell back asleep, and he dreamed a second time. He dreamed there were seven heads of grain on one stalk. You know how wheat grows, like on a, a stalk, like really tall grass, and there's the heads of wheat? And the, the, they were full and good. They were plump and round, and they would make really good flour um, and make really good food. But then a stalk with seven withered, dry heads of grain sprouted up on top. They were too withered to eat. And although wheat doesn't actually eat anything, these did. The withered grain ate the good grain, ate them all gone. And the pharaoh woke up again, startled, and realized it was only a dream. But the dreams of kings in stories are funny things, and he was troubled. He summoned all of the magicians in the whole country of Egypt as soon as he woke up. He summoned all the wise men, everyone who studied dreams and stars and fortune-telling, but no one could interpret his dreams. And then finally, the chief cupbearer remembered something very important, which he had forgotten to do. And he said to Pharaoh, um, Forgive me, I have remembered a mistake. He said, Pharaoh had been angry with his servants, and he put me and the chief baker into prison. He and I each had a dream, and a young Hebrew, a slave of the captain of the guard, interpreted our dreams, and everything he said happened exactly when and how he said it would. Uh, one doesn't really say you to Pharaoh, to the Pharaoh, so everyone's all like, Pharaoh, the Pharaoh said. Um, so anyway, it's like a protocol thing, I guess. I don't know. So Pharaoh called for Joseph. They pulled him out of prison. They washed him up. They shaved his beard. Possibly they shaved him his shaved his head too. And they gave him like new clothes to wear so he would look presentable in Egyptian court. And then Joseph went to Pharaoh. I've had a dream, Pharaoh told him, and no one can interpret it. But I have heard that you can interpret dreams. I cannot, said Joseph. Gasp, dramatic pause. The chief cupbearer begins to tremble in fear. But Joseph continued, it's God who will give Pharaoh the answer. I was like, oh yeah, okay, God, that's cool. So Pharaoh described his dream. He described the horror of the ugly cows and the withered grain eating the healthy cows and the healthy grain. Uh, and he was, he was still just really horrified from remembering this dream. And Joseph listened and said, these two dreams are the same dream. God is revealing to Pharaoh what God is about to do. The seven healthy cows and seven good grains mean seven good years, but the thin cows and withered grain mean seven years of famine. Seven years of great abundance are coming. We'll have great harvests, but after that, seven years of famine so desperate that the seven good years will be completely forgotten and the land will be destroyed and everyone will starve. Because God gave Pharaoh this dream twice, it means God will do this very soon. This was bad news, but Joseph wasn't done talking. Because God has warned Pharaoh, we can prepare. Here's what Pharaoh should do. Look for a wise man and set him over the whole land and take advantage of the good years and store up one-fifth of all the harvests. Store the grain in every city under Pharaoh's authority and keep it safe. Then Pharaoh can feed the people during the seven years of famine and the country will not be destroyed. Pharaoh liked this idea. It will not surprise you. I imagine that he picked Joseph to be that man in charge of the harvest and preserving the grain in the entire country of Egypt. He gave Joseph Pharaoh's own ring and expensive clothing and servants and a chariot and authority over the whole country. And everywhere Joseph went, they would say, kneel! And people would have to kneel in front of Joseph in his chariot. And they gave Joseph a wife and Pharaoh named 
Joseph Zathnath Panea, which is said to mean revealer of secrets. And Joseph started life fresh at the age of 30 and traveled all over the land of Egypt, overseeing everything. He built storehouses in every city and saved up the grains of wheat from every field. And there was so much that he eventually stopped weighing it because there was too much to count. And his wife gave birth to two sons during that time. And Joseph named the first Manasseh, which means causing to forget, saying, The Lord has made me forget the hard times in my father's house. And the second son he named Ephraim, which means fruitful, saying, God had made me fruitful in the land where I came as a slave. Fruitful often basically means successful. Which, yeah, he's pretty successful. Then after seven years, the famine began, just as Joseph had said. The famine was not just in Egypt, but all the countries around them. The Egyptian people called out to Pharaoh for food, and Pharaoh sent them to Joseph, who sold them grain. In fact, from all over the world, people came to buy grain from Joseph in Egypt. Some other people were hungry, too, including Joseph's family, who believed he was dead. So next week, we'll see what happens there with Joseph's family coming to Egypt to try to buy some food. Um, there will be drama. It will be excellent. Um, I'm planning to have that up next week. Uh, this is the end of the story for today. Um, uh, sorry for all the breaks I've been taking. My health has not been great. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I'm getting back in the swing of things. I have been saying that. Um, so anyway, come back um, next time I have a story up for the sequel about Joseph in charge of basically every frigging thing in Egypt, the most important country apparently in the world at that time. So that's going to be that's going to be great. And I forgot to write my closing sentences down and my brain is just, whoosh, they're not there. Um, I am supposed to say, thank you for listening to Bible Stories for Heathen Children. Our theme music is Wholesome by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution. Until next time, shine on, star child. Nailed it. <laughs>